This episode of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast is sponsored in part by Law Enforcement Labor Services in Minnesota. Law Enforcement Labor Services, also known as LELS, is Minnesota's largest public safety labor union with over 7,000 Minnesota public safety members serving in all areas of public safety. Law enforcement, 911 dispatch centers, corrections, public safety administrative support personnel, and firefighters. Established in 1977, LELS serves over 260 different public safety agencies and over 450 locals across the state of Minnesota. With their administration, general counsel, three staff attorneys, and 14 business agents, LELS provides contract negotiations for better wages and benefits, grievance processing and representation, discipline representation, mediation and arbitration, assistance with representation for post-board hearings, and in-line-of-duty death benefits for survivor families. Find out more about Law Enforcement Labor Services at LELS.org. LELS.org. Episodes of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast may contain strong language and violent content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Sheriff Scott Rose from Minnesota, and I'm your host for today's new episode of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast. In each episode of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast, we'll share the details and the stories of how these men and women heroically lost their lives in the line of duty. Our mission is to help ensure their service and sacrifice is never forgotten. Thanks for spending some time with me today to remember and honor these fallen heroes. Bill Haley and his comets recorded Rock Around the Clock in their first session for American DECA in New York City that year. It was released on May 20th as a B-side song, but it didn't hit number one on the charts until that following year, helping to initiate the rock and roll craze that dominated the 50s. New cars, like the popular Chevy Bel Air, cost $1,600 for the two-door, and gas prices were 29 cents a gallon. Minimum wage was 75 cents an hour. Their name, inspired by the nickname Land of 10,000 Lakes, the Minnesota Lakers professional basketball team won their fifth Basketball Association of America championship that year, and a few years later would move the team to Los Angeles, California. And The Tonight Show aired for the first time this year with host Steve Allen on NBC. From New York City, the national broadcasting company presents Tonight Allen. The year was 1954. Preston, Minnesota. Located in the county of Fillmore in southeast Minnesota, Preston is the county seat and back then had a population of around 1,400 people. A tributary of the Upper Mississippi River, the south branch of the Root River runs right through the city, making it a popular destination for trout fishermen. It had been seasonably cool and breezy that day in November. Daytime temperatures hit 36 degrees for the high in the area, and nighttime temps were expected to be in the low 20s. 
The Fillmore County Sheriff's Office and jail were in a large two-story red brick building with white trim, originally built in 1869. It was located at the top of a hill in the city of Preston at the intersection of Houston and Preston Street Northwest in southeast Minnesota. The sheriff at the time was Sheriff Don Cook. One of his deputies was Walter Krugel. Walter William Krugel was born on March 5, 1895 in Caramona, Minnesota in Fillmore County to Johann and Augusta Krugel. At 21 years old, he married Alma Henrietta Raymaker in January of 1917. By 1954, he had been with the sheriff's office for almost five years. He and Alma's two daughters were grown up now, 37-year-old Joyce and 30-year-old Vivian. Deputy Krugel could hold his own. He was 6 foot 2 inches tall and 270 pounds. Nelius Torgerson was a local farmer in the area. He and his wife Randy had nine children with a daughter who had caught the eye of a Lanesboro farmer, 35-year-old Ernest Herbert Knutson. Ernest was a short, stocky man, approximately 5 foot 5 inches tall, 145 pounds, with blonde, thinning hair and a ruddy complexion. Torgerson had reported that over the past few months, there were several unwelcomed visits from Knutson. At one point, Torgerson sought to restrain Knutson from coming to the farm. Knutson then allegedly made threats against Torgerson. One Sunday night, Knutson tried to go back to the farm again. This time, Torgerson had enough. He came to Preston that following Monday, and he filed a complaint charging Knutson with making threats to do bodily harm to Torgerson for prohibiting him from seeing his daughter. An arrest warrant was issued for Ernest Torgerson. Walter, who had known Knutson long before he became a deputy, decided to stop in Fountain on his way back from Red Wing one day to see if he could locate Knutson. It's not clear where he located Knutson, but when he did, he took him into custody. Walter requested Knutson's cousin, Virgil, to assist in driving Ernest's car back to Preston. Walter discussed the warrant with Knutson, and he convinced him to get in the car and ride with Walter back to the jail in Preston. As they were driving down the hill into Preston, Knutson became upset and wanted Walter to stop. Walter refused to stop and continued driving towards town. Knutson was asking Walter to give him a chance that he wouldn't hurt anyone. He just he just wanted a chance. While they were driving down the hill on Highway 52 at the approach to Preston, about 200 feet away from the highway grocery store, Knutson pulled out a 22 caliber revolver from his pocket. It was 8.15 p.m. When Knutson pulled his gun, showing it to Walter, the deputy reached out to grab Knutson and try and grab the gun. The car was still moving when three shots were fired from the gun. Knutson pulled the trigger three times, with two of the bullets striking Walter in the leg and the abdomen. Despite his wounds, the deputy continued to grapple with Knutson, wrestling the gun from his hands. That's when Knutson jumped out of the vehicle and ran towards a wooded area near the north city limits of Preston. 
Walter was able to get the car stopped near the highway grocery and was bleeding badly. He slid off the blood-soaked seats of his car and he staggered towards the store near his vehicle. Clutching his stomach, he managed to open the door of the store and stagger in, then slumped to the floor. Knutson would later tell authorities that he had known Walter for many years, that Walter should have given him a break. During questioning, Knutson repeatedly told authorities that Walter should have just given me a break. Knutson explained that he and Walter had known each other for 10 to 15 years, and he described him as a good friend, going as far as to say that Walter was really pretty nice to him. Dressed in a light jersey shirt over a cotton t-shirt and blue overall pants and shoes, Knutson walked through fields for about three to four miles to his cousin's farm. It was November 1st, 1954. Janet Yeast was a 14-year-old employee at the store. She watched Deputy Krugel stumble in and then fall to the floor. Janet immediately went to Walter's side, where he instructed her to call the sheriff's office and report the shooting. Janet was able to contact the sheriff and a physician, who both responded and provided medical first aid to the deputy until the ambulance arrived. The physician accompanied Walter in the ambulance to St. Mary's Hospital in Rochester. Sheriff Cook alerted law enforcement throughout southeast Minnesota, western Wisconsin, and northern Iowa to be on the lookout for Knutson. The manhunt was on. The Minnesota State Patrol heard the call, and within a short time they had eight cars manned by patrol searching for Knutson with several other area law enforcement officers. Several people living near the north edge of Preston reported they heard the gunshots at about 8.15 p.m., at least one said he saw Knutson walking towards the wooded hill a short time after the shooting. That reporter said he recognized Knutson because of his slight shuffle when he walks. The sheriff then rounded up a volunteer search posse to assist with locating Knutson. Everybody wanted to help. Two volunteers, Martin Barber and Cooney Young, both of Preston, went to Orville Knutson's farm and warned him about the shooting incident and that his cousin was still at large. Search party members also responded to the Torgerson residents to tell them, get out of the house, you need to go somewhere safe. Officers would then keep Torgerson's residents under surveillance in case Knutson showed up. Temperatures that night dipped to the low 20s. Knutson was cold. He was hiding in a field near Orville's house and watched Barber and Young go to the door and talk to Orville. About 15 minutes after Barber and Young left, Knutson walked up to the house, knocked on the door, and asked if he could come in. Orville told him that two of the people from the search party had just told him about the shooting. Orville, not sure what to do at this point, searched Ernest to make sure he was unarmed, and then he let him inside. It was 10 o'clock. His face was bloody from a laceration he explained was from climbing through a fence during his flight from the shooting scene. Knutson explained to his cousin that he drew his gun when he was protesting his arrest by Deputy Krugel, that Deputy Krugel was transporting him from Fountain to the Preston Jail. Ernest proceeded to tell Orville in detail what happened and explained that he shot Deputy Krugel. He then asked Orville for his help to escape. Ernest 
wanted to leave the country, and he asked Orville to help him. He also asked Orville if he could use his car to get out of the Preston area. Orville had Ernest sit down. He told him there was no running away and that the authorities would catch up to him sooner or later anyway. Orville made Ernest some coffee and some lunch to help him warm up and continued to explain to Ernest that there was no use in trying to run away. After just over an hour of conversation, Ernest agreed to surrender and let Orville drive him to the county jail. Orville had another cousin, Robert Knutson, join him and Ernest on the ride to the jail to give himself up. Back at the jail, there were more than a dozen Preston residents and law enforcement officers in the lobby. They were awaiting the latest reports on the search Sheriff Cook was conducting in the outlying areas. Back in those days, the sheriff also lived in the same building with his wife, who made the meals for the inmates. The jail had two large cell areas that each held eight inmates for a capacity of 16. Plus, they had a drunk tank that provided additional overnight accommodations as well. At around midnight that evening, Orville and Robert arrived at the jail with Ernest. They knocked on the sheriff's door, and the bystanders paid little attention to them as the three walked into the room, Ernest walking in last. Nobody expected Ernest to come back. That's when one person who was there to help recognized Ernest, and he whispered, Hey, that's him. Knutson was placed in custody, and he was searched for weapons. He had another 70 rounds of ammunition in his pockets. He was then questioned about the incident. He explained the shooting in detail and really showed no remorse. Back at the hospital, doctors reported that Walter had a non-life-threatening gunshot wound to the leg and a second slug that was lodged in his abdomen near his liver that they did consider serious. Walter would need days to recover and get strong enough to leave the hospital. On November 5th, Knutson was arraigned on first-degree assault charges, and at that time, authorities indicated Deputy Krugel was sitting up in bed and receiving nourishment. The charge was assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill, and he was held on $50,000 bail. In the days that followed, Walter's condition deteriorated. He developed bronchial pneumonia and was found to be bleeding internally from his abdomen, all complications from the bullet wounds. Doctors summoned his family to come to the hospital, and they told them Walter had little time, that there was nothing more they could do for him. On Wednesday, November 10th, at approximately 3.30 a.m., Deputy Walter Krugel died from his injuries. He was 59 years old. He'd served as a special deputy for the Fillmore County Sheriff's Office for over four years. Before that, he ran a restaurant in town. He was survived by his wife, Alma, and two adult daughters. His funeral started at 1.30 in the afternoon at Thawald Funeral Home, and then at 2 p.m. at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Preston. Pallbearers included Homer Egan, who was a former Fillmore County Sheriff's deputy, State Highway Patrolman Gunnar Johnson, Sheriff Beryl Kerrigan of Houston County, Minnesota BCA agent Jenny Hoff, Olmsted County Sheriff Gerald Cunningham, and Winona County Sheriff George Fort. Honorary pallbearers were Walt's close friends, Sheriff Don Cook, Dr. J.P. Nearing, the county coroner, probate judge George O'Murray, along with a few personal friends. 
With Walter's death, Sheriff Cook now requested murder charges against Knutson. On Tuesday, December 7th, a 21-member grand jury indicted Knutson for second-degree murder. At one point during the process, it was ordered that Knutson undergo a mental evaluation to determine if he was fit for trial. In a January evaluation, according to local newspapers, doctors determined that he was sane and competent and would go on trial. Fillmore County Attorney Joseph Herrick requested assistance from the Minnesota Attorney General Miles Lord to assist with the prosecution. Prior to the trial, Knutson agreed to a plea of third-degree murder, and on Saturday, March 12, 1955, he was sentenced to 7 to 30 years for the murder of Deputy Krugel. Just seven years after his conviction, Knutson was released on parole by the state of Minnesota on September 15, 1961. He was fully discharged from parole in 1969. Knutson died of carbon monoxide poisoning on March 4, 1971, in his own vehicle in the church parking lot at North Prairie Church, around 10 miles north of Preston. According to the sheriff's office, Reverend Melvin Sucher found Knutson's body around 10 a.m. in the parking lot. A hose was found connecting the exhaust pipe to the car window. Knutson was 51 years old. Walter Krugel was the first line-of-duty death recorded in Fillmore County in southeast Minnesota. He is recognized each year in Washington, D.C. at the National Memorial, in St. Paul, Minnesota at the State Memorial, and in Rochester, Minnesota at the Southeast Minnesota Memorial each year during Police Week. On our website, you can see several pictures from this story, the building that housed the sheriff's office in jail, which is now the jailhouse inn. It's a bed and breakfast in Preston. Photos of Walter Krugel, of Ernest Knutson when he was brought in by his cousins to surrender, and copies of some of the news articles from that incident. Walter Krugel was a local hero, as are all of the men and women who choose this noble calling. His service and sacrifice, along with the sacrifices made by his surviving family, will never be forgotten. Thank you for spending the time to listen, learn about, and honor the memory of this fallen hero. Make sure you take the time to thank your local law enforcement for their service and their sacrifice. And don't forget to thank their families, too. They also sacrifice so much for our safety. It's up to us to help ensure the sacrifices made by these fallen heroes and by their families are never forgotten. So please, share this podcast with family and friends. Until next time, this is the Officer Down Memorial Podcast. I'm Scott Rose. Thanks for listening. A Huda Media Production.